Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist, another podcast swap coming your way with the amazing Jenica Parcel. Jenica is a podcaster, business owner, and mother to Miracle Twins. After struggling with infertility for several years and going through three IUIs and three rounds of IVF, after struggling in silence for so long, she made the decision to share her story after a miscarriage following her second IVF cycle, being vulnerable to put something out there that is incredibly dear and close to her heart was scary. The response from the community was remarkable, and she was able to see how many other people were also struggling with infertility. Realizing she wasn't alone, she created a space and shop for individuals facing infertility where they can receive and give support. Jenica is a certified infertility coach helping women access the tools they need to help them emotionally and mentally face the challenges of infertility. And you can sign up for her coaching membership by visiting her site, www.thesliceofsun.com. This is a meaningful conversation to me. As y'all know, my wife and I have and currently go through infertility. So I was really excited to have her on and get another perspective on infertility. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. You know, I say this pretty often because I do this pretty often about podcast swapping. I'm a huge fan of giving back to someone who's had me on because I don't want to be on their show if it's not great. So why wouldn't I want them on mine? So we have yeah. the most awesomest, right? That's the title. I'm Jenica Parcel. Yeah, um, that's me. A friend of mine is a huge fan of hers and said, you have to check out Jenica. So I did a couple of months ago and I've, I just fell in love with her content, her personality, her story. And her as a person, she's just unbelievable. And I know maybe uh, it's a to boost her ego today. It's my job <laughs> to boost her ego. My friend is yes, like dying. You're doing like, it. Oh my gosh, you're talking to Jenica. Yes, I am. So Jenica, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners so they know how amazing you are and what you bring to the table? Okay, you're so awesome. Honestly, if I ever need a pep talk, I'm calling you. Call so me. get you have my number. Just call I'm gonna me. put you on. <laughs> put me on speaker. I could do pep talks. <laughs> I could put me on speed dial. I could do like words of affirmations. You need some pump in the morning at night. Absolutely. I'll take I'll take one of each. <laughs> All of the above. Okay, so my name is Jenica Parcel. And just a little quick background on me. I started a blog in 2014. And then my husband and I experienced infertility. I shared about it finally a year later, because I felt like I was living a double life. Yeah, and that was after three IUIs and two rounds of IVF. And then we shared our third round of IVF very openly. I would write letters to our future child and publish them on my blog. And that's when my blog took off. At the time, I had no idea how common infertility was. And so it really blew me away with the response from people. And since then, I've been able to really see God's hand in my life and my experience and what I can then use to help other women through the same experience. So you know that this is not a religious podcast, but you know I'm a religious person. Right. And I a thousand percent got goosebumps just talking about it because I a hundred percent, even though I said a thousand percent before, but a hundred percent believe that there is some, something, you know, just a quick, you know, a uh, little thing that happened to my wife and I, as people know, if they've listened to the seasons and they, they've they listened to the podcast episode with Jenica, is that my wife and I have gone through infertility. Both of us have struggled, have struggled and continue to struggle with infertility, have gone through failed treatments, IVF, have a beautiful daughter who's two years old, um, and continue to struggle with that infertility journey. And the crazy thing is the day of my daughter's transfer was the yard site, which is the Hebrew word for 
anniversary of death mm. of my grandmother. Oh, wow. Same day. And I remember my wife looking at me and said, I think today's going to be the day. Mm. I think it's going to work. I think your grandmother's going to watch out for us. It's so beautiful. My daughter's Hebrew name is my grandmother's name. I love that. And it just like, when I think about it, it, it's such a personal, raw thing. And reading your blogs, I would never be able to write letters to my future potential maybe children. Uh, it would be so difficult, so hard, but that's why I value your strength because I've shared it in my way, right? Whether it's through talking yeah. about fatherhood or man's, the men's struggle of infertility and what that means. And yeah, which is right, amazing. There's such a weird con- uh, conception that we have in this world that you have kids so easily. It's mm-hmm. assumed. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. And I love that you said that too, though, because for me, it was very therapeutic to write it out. And so I think we all have our ways of coping with the trials we experience in our lives. And so I don't think there's a right or wrong way, but it is cool that based on certain ways that we're able to share, no matter what that is, I think other people can then take from our struggles, what we share and can feel a lot of comfort and peace and know they're not alone through that. Yeah. And I don't know if you experience this also now that I have you here and I want to ask you, I didn't know about infertility until I was in the infertility world. And now I can't stop seeing it anywhere else, right? Right. Just always around like, oh, this person and that person, this celebrity. And I was like, when did this happen? But it's always been there. And I find it so interesting that until you're in it or until you become, I don't want to use this word woke, but aware. um, I don't like that word woke. uh, aware, (laughs) Aware of situations. And the same thing for me as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. I have anxiety. Okay. That's who I am. That's part of me. Right. But until I became a therapist and I was really locked in to mental health as a whole. Now it's like everyone's talking about it. Maybe it's just as the years go on. How has it been for you that transition of now being in it, going through it, involved in it, helping people podcast? How is that for you balancing your past and history of going through infertility and still being a struggle? And you being there for other people and a support, how do you balance the two sides of that? That's a great question. And it's so interesting because I agree with you when I feel like you're focused on something, you see it more, which I think is amazing, you know, because we can use that to our advantage when we want to see positive things, we'll look for positive things. When we're even something as simple as car shopping, when we're looking for a Honda Accord, and to debating if that's what the car we want, we all of a sudden start seeing that on the road. So it's interesting because I had quite a few friends that experienced, well, not quite a few. I had two specifically that filled me in on more details than others during their infertility experiences. And it was before my husband and I even had considered trying for kids. And we had no idea we would experience infertility at the time. And so I think that we can be empathetic to people, but it's really hard to understand unless you've personally experienced it. And so about, I would say it was probably at least seven years later when we were experiencing infertility, I remember standing in my closet and I just started sobbing. And it was because I finally understood what they were experiencing. And it was like I was crying for them because I had seen them experience it, but I had no idea what it felt like. Yeah. And so for me, I have been very observant of my coping abilities through infertility. And the first time we have twins who are five years old now, and when we were trying to conceive them, I had wanted to always be a positive person. I had grown up with kind of just like a general truth. And maybe it was just how I was born, but I knew vaguely that thoughts 
that we choose to keep in our brains determine the quality of our life. And so there were certain thoughts that I chose when I was going through that, one specifically being the fact that I truly believe that all human beings have trials. And for me in that stage of life, and also now in the stage of life that I'm in right now, infertility is my trial. And if it wasn't this trial, it would be something else. And so with that perspective, it's helped me to cope a lot because I don't feel resentful of it most of the time. When I'm feeling resentful, it's when I other thoughts creep in. And then when I can identify what those thoughts are, then I can then decide if those are what I want to keep and if they're serving me or not. And typically they're not. And so I'll choose other thoughts that will give me the results that I want in my life. And so I've had a very um, almost observant experience of myself going through infertility and evaluating how I handle certain circumstances that come up within that experience. And then I've just gotten very curious about it. And with that curiosity has, or I guess the, the observation has come that I'm just very aware of the fact that these experiences were given to me in my life for a reason to develop me as a human being and then to also develop me as someone who can then turn around and hold other women's hand through the process after me. And so I I truly also believe that we are constantly progressing. I think I'll constantly constantly be learning and progressing until the day that I die. And so with that, I've tried to find ways to be able to better help myself manage emotions Mm -hmm. in a way that will serve me. And that's what led me to life coaching and also helping other women. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I got really involved in a uh, organization um, to do like the emotional support side as a licensed therapist to help those going through infertility. That was my way of giving back. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have friends and people who call me all the time just to just to have someone. And this is the line they always say. I really want to tell you because you're my close friend, but I also want to tell you because I know that you understand somewhat because you went through it. So I know that you can get where I'm coming from because I don't want to tell X, Y, and Z friend yet because I don't know if I'm going to get the response that I need or that's helpful or impactful for me because they never gone through it. And I Mm -hmm. need you right now to be able to give that response, which is pressure, but I enjoy it and embrace it because I didn't have that person. I didn't know mm. anyone, especially a male, yeah, who went through infertility. Like I didn't know a person in my community. Not that they were hiding. It just they weren't talking about it. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to see the shift that when you actually start taking on that that responsibility and I don't want to call it a burden because I do not believe it's a burden to help others. It can be hard at times, but I do not think as the negative viewpoint of it being a, a burden on my back versus a responsibility that keeps me strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it just that. So, yeah, it's, it's so it's so interesting. And it, it's it's amazing to see. And just to throw out to some statistics, just so people understand, depending on the year and who you read and what research, one in eight to one in nine couples go through infertility. One in eight or one in nine people go through infertility at some point, whether it's in, in the beginning, secondary infertility. And 33% of the time, it's the man. 30% it's the women. 33% it's unknown. Those are the yeah. numbers. So that means if you look in your community or you sit in your church, your synagogue, your mosque, any religious or any concert or any big gathering or sports, you can count one out of 10, let's say, let's make it bigger, or one out of 15, 
someone has struggles with infertility. Maybe they need just the simple amount of just medication to balance their hormones or as aggressive as IVF and surgery. But that's the numbers. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And until you understand how much of a community there is, it's a very lonely place to be. Yeah. And uh, it's, how was it for you and your partner, your husband to go through that? Was it a, now, again, we said before, you know, you said you're an open book. So if something yeah, is, absolutely. Not, is not up to par, just say, hey, Ellie, go away. Because um, <laughs> I know for my wife and I, it was the rock. It was what created our connection. Not that we didn't have it, but about two or three years into our marriage, it really solidified us as a bond that we needed and, and trusted each other through the struggle, which made us stronger as a couple. How was it for you and your husband during that time? Because I think it's really important to talk about the intimacy, not mm-hmm. the sexual life, but the intimacy of the two people uh, and what it can do to either make or break a couple. Yeah, I love that you bring this up. And I think it's common to let it drive a wedge in your marriage if you let it. But I don't think that that is necessary. And and like you, my husband and I really use it as an opportunity to grow closer together. And for me, I'm a very independent person. And I think that that can be really great at times because I can get a lot accomplished and I don't rely on a lot of other people. But it can also be to my disadvantage because I don't think that God put us here to do things alone. I think that we each have our individual gifts and talents and what yours is might be different than mine and vice versa. So we can use our gifts and talents to lift one another up. And so it was cool throughout infertility because my husband is naturally a very lighthearted person. He's a child at heart. He makes things fun. I, it's so interesting. I feel like the older I get, I just take things very seriously. And I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. I think that maybe I take things overly serious sometimes and I, get stressed out or I get worried and, you know, going more into my life coaching, I realize that that's literally just setting myself up for failure. It doesn't help at all, which is a good thing to be aware of because then I can then change it. But when we were experiencing infertility, there were times where I was just like done and, you know, which is understandable because we had gone through so much, three IUIs, two rounds IVF, all of those had failed. I was physically exhausted. My hormones were like having a whack attack. I was, you know, all over the place. All the shots, all the doctor's appointments, blood. Yeah. It's just a lot, you know? And so I remember one time in specific that I was just sobbing and I'm like, I'm done. I'm so sick of this. I was angry. I was like, I I remember saying specifically the phrase, I don't want a stupid baby anyway. I literally said that because I was just done. I was like, fine. I'm doing everything that I can. It's not happening. Fine. I don't even want it anyway. And he could see that I was just really struggling. Obviously in that moment, it was pretty obvious. And I think I was about to get like a ginormous shot. He had to give it to me in my backside. And I was just like, really? Like, this is just, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. And so he pulled, he got my iPad and he, he Googled cute babies and he pulled up these images of cute babies. And it was so ridiculous that I just started laughing. And then it just like diffused the situation. Mm. And I was able to get the shot and it wasn't even half as bad as I had built it up in my mind to be. And so it was just cool for me to like be vulnerable and open up and just like really say I'm really struggling. Like it's obvious since I'm bawling and then him to come in with the things that he's good at, which is humor. And so I, I think that we grew together in that experience. And I was also able to see these really incredible gifts in him and then adopt some of them myself to be able to cope with life more easily. I love that. You know, I think it's so important for us to be able to show up for our partner and I don't think a lot of couples get a chance to do that in such a raw, real way 
um, maybe earlier or in different ways in such an intimate fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the classics that we think is like death in a family. Um, but that's so raw and intense and so destructive in such a quick way, right? The person's there, then they're not. Yeah. Uh, but this is something that's a very slow, long process with doctors and shots, ups and downs and back and forth and doesn't work, does work. Maybe you're pregnant, maybe we're not. And it's this mm-hmm. whole back and forth of this long journey of, of grief, of a loss, of a worry, of pain, of joy, of hope. It's a lot. It's a it lot. Is. It's <laughs> it is. so much. And I'm so, uh, even though I'm saying and talking a lot about it, I'm yeah. underplaying it a lot because it's yeah, just- Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But the moments of those tears together, the laughter and just joking of this is ridiculous, those moments is what I remember the most of the experience. Of course, the birth of our, of our child, but um, those experiences is what kept us closer mm-hmm. because that raw vulnerability- is sometimes hard to get at so maybe accessibly or easy mm-hmm. in a relationship. And it was just there because it's automatic. How do you balance the joy of you having your kid, your kids, right? Your twins. Yeah. You're writing of the blog, writing about it, talking about it consistently, the joy uh, and, and now the podcast and everything you're doing. Is there ever doubt that you're posting too much about your, like, is there this weird balance of, Maybe by posting too much about your kids or too much about the success and not too much on the failure or worry or sadness, it kind of pushes people away who are going through it. How do you balance the two sides of that story? Both mm. valid, both real. Is there ever like worry? Because I know sometimes for me, and I'm just being real for a second, when I post pictures about my child mm-hmm. talking about parenting or or struggles as a father or whatever it is on my social media or I talk about on the podcast, there's a back of my mind, I'm like, if someone listens and they're going through infertility, they're going to think I'm obnoxious right now. Like, does that ever come into your mind at all? That is such a good question. It really brings up a really great conversation, I think, because for me, I am a, you know, I try, we all try to be good people, right? For me, I really want people to feel comfortable. I want people to be happy. I want people to experience joy. And for me, Going through the life coach certification that I did, I think probably one of the biggest things that I learned is that I am not responsible for other people's experiences in life. And that has been so freeing for me because I can show up exactly how I am and I can be kind and I can love people, but I know that I'm not responsible for the way that they feel and vice versa. I think that's the most freeing knowledge I've ever come across because also people can say literally whatever they want to me and I can choose to make it mean whatever I want it to mean. And so when I'm showing up, obviously, I very much try to be sympathetic. I talk about the hard days, the days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. But I also talk about the joy in my life because I truly believe that as a human being, we are here to have a 50-50 human experience. And we can see that in nature. I mean, we can see examples of it everywhere in the way that God created the world, light and dark, joy and pain, um, dry and wet. Like there's an opposite in everything. And I think as human beings, we're also meant to experience that as well. And so for me, I like to share it all. Mm -hmm. And I like to talk about both sides because I think that we should feel all of that. Um, And so I, yeah. And I, so I saw that's such a good question and something that I feel like if I tried to carry the burden of how other people feel, Mm -hmm. it would just crush me. Oh, it's crushing. Yeah. 
So I, I, I don't. I love that answer. <laughs> and, and I want to add a little layer to what you said. This is like I'm totally therapizing up in here. Not you, but just <laughs> therapizing. <laughs> it's a made up word that I use. I always realize, by the way, if you listen to my podcast or anything yeah. I say, I say a thousand percent about a billion times. Um, <laughs> it is like my, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I like it. It doesn't mean you should be a butt to people just because you're trying to be vulnerable, real, and honest. And you Absolutely. shouldn't, and you're trying not to care about other people's opinions because it, you cannot control other people, but it doesn't give you the excuse to be disgusting. And I don't think you are. I'm not saying you are. And that's mm-hmm. the difference. When someone posts about their vulnerable story, whether it's marriage issues, infertility issues, mental health struggles, whatever it is on their social media, blog, whatever, YouTube, podcast, however you kind of take in that information, well, let's not assume they're trying to be mean or disgusting. Right. Because most people are not trying to be mean or disgusting. Let's give people the benefit of doubt they're telling their story to hopefully touch somebody in a mm-hmm. positive way. And I think you do that so well and have that balance. And, um, and I want to add another layer to something you said earlier that I think is a huge assumption of the infertility world. That just because someone has kids doesn't mean they don't want more and doesn't mean the infertility issues are gone and doesn't mean the pain of not maybe being able to have more kids. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that journey? Because I know my wife and I are in that journey of, okay, we have a kid, now what? Like, Mm -hmm. we talk about that, and then, of course, we'll jump into the coaching stuff and how you help and change so many people's lives and how you go through that process. This is the last personal question, I promise. It's Uh, fine. I can't promise that. Like I said, ask anything. (laughs) I can't promise that. Um, You take that back. You retract it. What do you have for breakfast? That's the personal question. Great Um, question. uh, (laughs) Oatmeal. uh, Oatmeal, good choice. Um, (laughs) But no, for real, what, what is that like going from that pressure and and shots and time and failure of transfers and back and forth emotions, having kids. And it's like, okay, now what, what are the emotions? What are the worries? What are the mental health struggles that you Mm -hmm. and your partner are going through now that you have kids and you think, okay, now we're successful. We made it. We're a family, right? That epitome of happiness that people think is just with kids. Now what, what happens then? Such a good question. So for us, we're trying to have another baby again. And it was surprising to me. I I honestly thought I had worked through the big emotions that I would need to work through. And I found myself being very resentful that we had to do it again, because I discover that I was thinking this thought that I don't actually believe. So I've since changed it. But I was keeping this thought in my brain that was that I had experienced infertility in the past and now I deserved a normal pregnancy. And that just wasn't serving me. I was feeling super resentful. I was feeling a ton of anxiety. And so I did some coaching on that and and really discovered that that's the thought that was causing that anxiety and resentment. And then I was able to change that. And it's so interesting you bring this up too, because I've had a lot of conversations with women in my infertility community recently. And I think that we are good at comparing our experiences with others, but then using that against ourselves. Mm. So like, for example, I, I talked with a few people that said, you know, we've experienced infertility for six months, but at least it's not three years, you know, and, but then they use that against themselves because then they don't get the support that they need and deserve. And I'm like, you know what? Pain is pain and emotions are emotions. So we can all relate to that. It, I don't think that our specific circumstances should ever be compared because I just don't think anyone wins there. And Someone so call me out for that once. Hmm, I once on a, some summit or something, or I was talking at something, I'm like, oh yeah, we, you know, we went through infertility for a year, but at least it wasn't five or 10. And oh, the, interesting. The, the, the net, whoever was running the program said, why'd you just do that? And I was like, what? Like, I didn't realize like, <laughs> why you just, dim- why'd you just dismiss and diminish your pain? Yeah. I'm like, oh no, sorry. 
let me back up. It wasn't a conference. It was my therapist. Um, it was a therapy session. <laughs> I love it. There you go. It was a therapy session with, you know, I was yeah. going through a lot of rough times after the Rickster yeah. was born. I was going through anxiety. Right. I, went and, I went to a therapist because therapists need therapists. We're not perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And he said to me, he like called me out. He's like, why did you just do that? Mm, why did you yeah. diminish your pain? I went, what? He goes, why did you say? You went through infertility for a year, but at least it wasn't something else worse. Yeah. Why are you taking away the pain that you went through? You and your wife went through that. Who cares if someone else went through more years? It doesn't yeah, make exactly. your pain any less. And I didn't realize I even did it. Mm, I think yeah. as people, I'm a people pleaser. And as a yeah. people pleaser, we're so trying to diminish pain because we don't want to make other people feel bad, feel worse mm-hmm. because we went through something, but they went through more that, that they should feel less than us or more than us or all those kind of weird complexities that we add and distortions of our thought process. But really, we're just taking away pain that we had. It's legitimate. It's valid. So right. I love that you said that. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry I forgot about you, therapist. You're great. You were great. Um, uh, <laughs> you helped him a lot. <laughs> he was great. No, he was great. I, I, I highly suggest him. Um, yeah. And so it was just really funny that it kind of triggered that thought. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've heard this before. Yeah. But, you know, for you. Okay, I'm going to ask another personal question. How do you deal with, I know my wife and I struggle with this um, when we were going through infertility, and I love to hear another person's perspective. That's why I have this podcast, is how did you deal with family and friends while you were going through the crux of the pain and the the worry and the anxieties? And are Mm -hmm. we going to get pregnant? Are we not? And even now that you have kids and you're planning and trying to figure out the next steps, how do you deal with family and friends having kids around you? quicker or faster or easier or whatever, even though we don't know what the heck goes on in their bedroom and how it goes down. Right. Um, how do you handle that emotionally? Because I think that's really important for listeners to hear who are tuning in to understand, okay, that's my issue. I'm struggling with infertility. I can't impose that or project that on someone else, but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt or be. Yeah. it's not painful to watch others like they just got married or they just started their relationship. What the hell? Right. So how do we, how do, how do you handle that? And what are some tips you might uh, enlighten us on? So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. And I think that's really important because I think that we all set like these expectations of ourselves on the right or wrong way to handle a certain situation. For me, I believe it's whatever makes you feel the best. And so I might be kind of a minority here, but it's never bothered me when other people have gotten pregnant around me because I know for a fact that they are experiencing really hard trials that I have, I I don't know about, you know? And, And I think that because I know who I am, which is a daughter of God, I, I'm just, I have a more broad perspective of our life experience. And so I don't compare my trials with other people's and that serves me really well. Um, but I also don't think it's, it's a bad thing if it's hard for someone to be around other people who are pregnant. I mean, everyone knows their own limits. And I think that if that's something that might be a trigger for you, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, but I would really evaluate what result you're getting in your, in your life. Are you isolating yourself? Are you yeah. like pushing yourself away from people that could be a great support for you? What's the if cost, that's the basically. case. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it's so interesting because it actually offended. And, and, and again, I chose to be a little bit like offended or bugged because I had, a, I had a few friends get pregnant while I was trying to get pregnant and I was the last to know. And that really hurt my feelings because I was like, wait a minute, like I'm already experiencing infertility and then you're robbing me of this experience to be joyful and happy for you. Like, don't take that away from me. I want to People celebrate are with you. about that. Yeah. When you're open about your infertility, you know, uh, my wife and I did a podcast episode, just the two of us talking about our infertility journey. Um, and a friend of mine called me and apologized for 
ever making me feel worried or concerned. I said to him, I'm like, you got the wrong message from the podcast. Mm, yeah. I never want people to feel they can't tell me about their joys in life just because, like, I have Crohn's. I have a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be upset at you if you're having something nice and saucy and fried. I'm not going to be like, don't put that <laughs> in my area because I can't. So you're going to make me feel bad. I know those are very <laughs> different examples. Yeah. Or even yeah, just I mean, similar. physical health. Physical health. Yeah. If someone has a physical ailment or a physical illness, by you saying, oh, I'm healthy is not going to – like you, can't, you have to appreciate your joys. Right. And don't hold back my ability to share in that joy just because you're worried and maybe the potential of the maybe, how many more maybes can you add in there of my reaction being negative? Yeah. Well, and it comes back to like, we're so afraid. Yeah. And it comes back to the fact that like, nobody can make me feel any way. Like I am completely in control of how I feel. It's no one else's responsibility to make me feel a certain way. And that's, there's so much freedom in that because I can genuinely look at people and whether or not this is true, someone can say anything they want to, to me. And I can choose to believe that they're coming from a place of love. And whether that's true or not, it honestly, that's kind of missing the point. It's the fact that I believe that. So it makes me feel great. <laughs> well, you sound, that sounds like an amazing outlook that I, I think a lot of people struggle with, myself included. And um, I want to jump into your professional coaching mm-hmm. and your infertility community that you've created and kind of um, help so many people. What does that look like? What's the process, one of people working with you? And what is your process working with someone? How do you help them? What are some of maybe not all your secret sauce, but some of the secret mm-hmm. sauce that yeah. makes you successful in what you do and how you help others with infertility? So I give a lot of kind of, uh, I guess, little tidbits of what it would be like to work with me on my podcast, which Ellie was on. He, it was such a great episode. I would encourage anybody to listen to it. I know we're recording and- on August 18th, but today I'm going mm-hmm. to share our episode again. Oh, awesome. Because Good. people need to hear your amazingness. And oh, you're so nice. I got to, you know, you're awesome. <laughs> I got to. Um, okay. So essentially to summarize the coaching program, what we really do is get curious about what's happening in our brains. And so I have a five-part model that we use to solve any problem. So what that looks like is looking at a circumstance, whatever that may be, I focus typically on infertility and what thoughts are causing your feelings, which are determining your actions in your life and getting you the results that you want. And so we essentially just like step outside of our brains a little bit. And me as a coach can help you take a look at what's going on and with the results that are happening. And like you said, how you need a therapist, I need a coach too. I think when you're in your own brain all the time, you don't see what's actually happening. And certain thoughts can sound very kind, right? Like we were mentioning earlier where you thought to yourself, well, at least I hadn't experienced infertility for five or 10 years. That sounds like a very kind thought. But when we see what that's actually doing, it's actually invalidating your circumstance and kind of making you feel like you're not allowed to feel certain feelings. So it seems very innocent and it's not. And so what I help people do specifically women in infertility is help them understand what's going on in their brain and how they can control it so that they can get any results that they want to in their lives. I love that, you know, and I'm not here to bash coaching versus therapy. I think if you, and I want to make this very clear as a, as a licensed therapist, I truly believe with all my heart and soul that the wellness world is very important. Mm-hmm. So if you find someone, whether it's a life coach and they are licensed and they are doing it with you know, ethics and morals, and they're not abusing you for money or feeding off your vulnerability to create some cult or some worrisome thing. 
the num- the letters after a name don't matter because what you literally just described is CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, interesting. You, okay. You, you discuss it's cognitive behavioral therapy, which is how our thoughts impact our feelings and how our feelings impact our behaviors slash reality. Mm, yeah. That's a legitimate researched, you know, treatment that therapists use all the time. There's truth to everything that we do in this world. Yeah. And as long as someone is doing it out of the goodness and love and care and compassion, and that speaks to you as the client slash patient. I don't like to mm. call people patients, but the client, um, mm-hmm. and that helps you on your journey, do ne- never feel ashamed to get help. Yeah. Now, I'm a huge fan of therapy because I'm a therapist, but I also I have- I think it's amazing. I have plenty of people who I know, like yourself, who are great life coaches, mm-hmm. and they're doing great things. And it doesn't take away just because they aren't a licensed therapist. Yeah. So just- Find someone who helps you. That's it. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love the word you used, which is was truth. And I think that all of us, like our souls, speak the language of truth. And so I think that when we hear certain things that are true, you just know. You know, like like for example, Brooke Castillo is the person that I got my certification through. And she said that the model that which is the one that I teach now is she's like, I didn't make it up. She's like, it was just a truth in the universe. I just kind of uncovered it and discovered it. And it's so interesting that she said that because it's just a truth. Like it's just like that's how our brains work. And that's how God made our brains. And so it was so interesting because when people asked me how I dealt with the first three IUIs and two rounds of IVF, I knew that it was a thought that was really helping me, which was that thought I mentioned earlier that all of us experience trials. And if it wasn't this for me, it'd be something else. That thought brought me so much peace, but I didn't know how to explain it. So when I Mm -hmm. heard that this specific model, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I've been doing. I just didn't realize it. And uh, if you actually, I recently spoke to a great psychologist, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she has a great book called Clean Your Mental Mess. And she has these uh, ideas and thoughts about the more you the more you think about something to grow, the more you will grow kind of thought process. Not in a fluffy, like if I think she used the example, she's a five four woman. She's mm-hmm. like, not that I think I'm gonna be a six foot eight basketball player, it's gonna happen because that's not possible. I cannot change physical reality. Yeah. But if I focus more on something, my brain is going to create those narratives, create those neuro pathways mm-hmm. yeah. and the roots are based and will then create this branch and trees. She has this very thing called like the thought tree or the mind tree. So be careful what you're focusing on. Be careful how, what you're telling yourself, be careful the narrative you're creating for yourself. And it's very important. The words we use for ourselves and for others in our situations, because that's how we're talking is how we feel and how we feel can impact how we think and how we then interact with whatever situation we're dealing with. And I think it's so important that um, wellness professionals come together um, because there's a limit to what you do and a limit to what I do. As a licensed therapist, I'm bound by state. Mm -hmm. I'm bound by licensure, which might be great to some people because it makes it quote unquote legitimate to that state. But what if someone's in like Australia and really needs help with infertility? I don't know why I picked Australia, some random place in the world and they hear your podcast or my podcast they can go to you, but they can't go to me as a therapist. That's limiting. That's very difficult for me as a therapist to be like, sorry. Mm-hmm. But there are people like you in the world who are like, uh-uh, come on in. Let me help uh-uh. you. <laughs> Let me help you. Let's bring yeah. that community. Let's spread that community. Let's let's help more and more people. So I truly admire people who are trying to find different avenues to help others. Yeah. There is not one way that is for healing. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think it's also cool. I, I, like I said earlier, I think that we're always constantly evolving and growing. So it's so cool to me to talk to different people with different perspectives. And I love what you said about, um, our thoughts and our brains. I, I feel like I, it's so funny because I was listening to this podcast the other day. It was like this doctor who's like 70. I'm like, who am I? You know, my 20 year old self would be like, she thinks that's interesting, but it's so fascinating to me to learn about the brain. And I think we're all, I don't think any of us really truly can comprehend how absolutely amazing our brains are amazing. and what we can actually accomplish with them. The brain, you know, and, and, and not to get on a whole tangent here, cause I could talk about this for a while. Yeah. Uh, this has nothing to do with infertility as a whole, but who cares? Cause we're just having a good chat. Um, right. The brain is a magical, ridiculous, scary, beautiful thing because <laughs> yeah. it can be used. The brain can be attacking yourself, used against you, but can also change and narrate in such a positive Disney-esque magical way. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how to utilize this muscle, this amazing, powerful thing. Um, now, I said I'm a religious man. I truly believe that this is God. Um, you know, the more I learn about the body and the mind and, and scientists don't know as much anymore. They don't know as much as, as, as we hoped or need them to yeah. know about our brain because it's so vast and insane, how yeah. ridiculous and beautiful and vast the ability is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more you learn, the more you gain knowledge, the more you learn from people like Jenica, myself and other people in the world it just expands that knowledge of healing and wellness and to find that person who speaks to you, whether it's, uh, like I said, as long as it's good, as long as it's healthy and well and focused on you, the client, and not about money and not about, of course, everyone deserves to get paid, but not about like you have to pay, the, you know, like, you know, what I'm talking about right. like the cultish Absolutely. intensity of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just make sure you're taking care of yourself and find the person that speaks to you. Um, okay. So the wrap up a little bit, any, uh, any lasting words that you can give to maybe people who are starting this infertility journey, maybe in the, in the middle of it um, and don't know where to turn or what the heck is going on. Uh, what yeah. are like a few things that you can say to them to maybe help them feel calm, clear, mm-hmm. and maybe focused? Yeah. So one thing I would say that's very, very common is people think that they're alone. And I was just blown away when I shared my infertility experience, how common it is. And now obviously this is the work that I do and it's what I talk about all day, every day, so I can see it everywhere. But I would say a recommendation that I would have is to, first of all, just remember that you're not alone and to get yourself the support that you need. And I don't care if it's day one or day you know, you're in year 10 of experiencing infertility, you deserve support. And it's your responsibility to get yourself that support and you are worth it. So I don't think that ever invalidating any circumstance is going to serve you. And so reaching out to people, whether that be a community like mine with fearless infertility, or whether that be also friends or close family that you trust, I, I would just say surround yourself with support as well as really take care of your daily routine. I think for me, there are things that I do no matter what that I know will put myself in a more healthy mindset to then move forward to make good decisions for myself. So for me, it's non-negotiable. I'll wake up, I'll read my scriptures, not in my bed because I get too, like my brain's like, this is where this is where we sleep, you know? So I'll have to like get up, walk to my office. I'll read my scriptures. I'll pray and do something uplifting to start my day and not look at my phone or my email first because I don't want to give up that agency in what I see, you know? And then I'll 
do just little things like make my bed. It makes me so happy to look at a bed that's made. I'll exercise every day, which really helps me with like feeling my best. And so I would just say like really pay attention to your daily routine. And even though it's difficult to take care of yourself and treat yourself like your your best friend. Oh, I love that. Where can people find you? Where can they access your amazing knowledge and, and vibe and awesomeness that you create? So the best place is the slice of sun.com. And you can find links there to the Instagram page, which is the slice of sun.infertility. We have a private Facebook group that's linked there as well. We publish a an infertility story every Wednesday from women in our community. And we have just really incredible people there that are uplifting and supportive. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun to connect you. The internet's such a cool place. Like, I mean, honestly, I'm just like so blown away by the good that can come from it. So I'm grateful that we met as well. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of the Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. So we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.